On January 25, 2011, thousands of Egyptians marked the streets of major cities in Cairo, Shanghai, and Riyadh. Red freedom, social justice, leading to the toppling down of the then president of Egypt, Hosni Mubarak, on January, on February 11. The movement afforded the opportunity for the, for the socialists to occupy a front seat to history, and it wasn't long till several projects were conceived to document the events. In an email to the American University in Cairo community, as uh, in February 7, 2011, President Lisa Anderson announced a university-wide project to collect testimonies, photographs, audio recordings, and other documentary evidence of the events. Our project, University on the Square, Documenting Egypt's 21st Century Revolution, seeks to preserve the history of the momentous events of early 2011 in Egypt through the eyes of the AUC community for future historians, activists, students, and the general public. This is from the University on the Square uh, website. With respect to the oral history component of the project, on a year later, on February uh, 22, 2012, uh, there was 137 uh, hours of recorded recordings with 107 uh, interviews. Uh, the collection of the oral analysis it has a value, of course, in and of itself, but it also can be a key to several research inquiries. As the description of the project implies, the project focuses on the documentation of the of the AUC community. Using the oral histories collected at the Economic and Business History Research Center uh, as the main research tool, this presentation attempts to shed some light on the identity of Egypt's revolutionaries uh, using the oral narratives collected. EBHRC collected 71 hours of recordings from 43 interviewees. Of the EBHRC interviews, six were AUC faculty and staff, Three were members of the Committee of the Wise, 10 AUC students and alumni, 18 AUC staff, and nine were non-AUC members. Nine were non-AUC members. As a disclaimer to this uh, research, the time frame of this presentation and the search so far covers only the 18 days, January 25 to February 11. In addition, the majority of actually EBHRC interviews conducted were done from end of February till uh, May, actually, 2011. As I said, while they are mainly uh, affiliated to AUC, it may be argued that they can be partly also representative of different constituencies within Egypt, such as the youth, political activists, intellectuals, and the working class. Having said that, it's very tricky and difficult to associate uh, the boundaries, the boundaries, and the constituencies, and defining the constituencies themselves as they overlap. This presentation is based on a sample of ten of the oral tests conducted by EBHRC, two AUC faculty, one of whom is a member of the Committee of the Wise, three students and uh, alumni, and three staff and two non-AUC members. This presentation um, is in uh, three gives the perspectives of the narrators on three aspects. First, factors leading up to January 25 demonstrations. Second, the escalation of events from a demonstration <coughs> to a revolution. And finally, the description of Tahrir itself. <laughs> I think it's just me. <laughs> and the division of labor in the square. And the interaction between people and each other. First, 
moving up to the January 25 events. Prior to January 25, several events and factors paved the way whether directly or indirectly to partially explain the demonstration. While each interviewee had a different perspective, they all shared sentiments of discontent, dissatisfaction, generally leading up to shared sentiments uh, uh, to the impossibility sorry, of the status quo of the current economic and political situation of Egyptians prior to January 25. For Ibrahim Awad, a professor of political public policy uh, and practice at AUC, the mounting police repression and intervention with Khalid Saeed incident were manifestations of years of abuse and repression. Another immediate cause for him was the attack in the Church of Alexandria. In addition, Awad believes that one important build-up factor is the failed new liberal economic policies that led to enormous discontent for the victims of these policies. And I think uh, Charles's presentation and his use of the term, the explosion of the poor, uh, reflects that as well. Al-Himili's uh, shares the same feeling as Awad that the situation in Egypt could not be maintained any longer. Yara Khamili, an AUC graduate student, goes a step further and talked of her earlier apolitical attitude and how and her conviction that it only takes uh, a revolution for Hosni Mubarak to, to, to leave the presidency, as she had this conviction that even if he died, the people around him will hold in his name and foresee that he even died. She felt provoked and undermined from the results of the November 20 elections, 2010 elections, humiliated from being uh, harassed in the streets repeatedly, annoying if she complains to the police that the police itself either would disregard her complaint or ironically harass themselves. Madi Hadous, a linguistics professor at Cairo University, confirms that the daily life of Egyptians were tough and the suppression of the regime to the people was unbelievable. There was suppressed anger in the people, which hardly manifested itself before January 25. On that day, while, while she was in a small demonstration in front of Cairo, in front of the Ministry of Higher Education with other colleagues from Cairo University, she felt something was different than that day. The chanting, the chanting, the shouting, and the tones of voices were even different. Malak Labib, a researcher and PhD candidate, said the, the spark that characterized that particular day was the results of increasing political awareness from the appearance of Baradai in the political scene from one side and the effect of April 6 movement who had a significant impact on raising the interest of the middle class. Uh, she also added the effect of Facebook uh, creating a forum and uh, to the Tunisian revolution. Interviews made this regard, the, disagree on the short term, long term, uh, direct and indirect factors that led to the revolution but they all attest that conditions were demeaning and humiliating in terms of the lack of some of the basic human rights needs of decent economic, political, and social standards. Uh, while they, most of the interviews in the last section uh, belong to middle-upper class, they were provoked with varying degrees from unacceptable living conditions, uh, and this, their discontent extended beyond the incapacity of the state to provide for citizens basic economic needs to a distrust of the legal and security apparatus in France, and the meaning of the Egyptian citizens' intellect when it came to political rights and democracy. Uh, the second part, that from a demonstration to a revolution, uh, we find that uh, 
Mohammed Al-Bastagi, an AUC alumni and the Cairo University professor. He's also from middle upper class, and he clearly had a parallel contribution to the escalation of events, but did not really ignite the, the flames of the revolution. Actually, he was along, along with probably thousands of others who were either apolitical by default or were aware of the sufferings but really felt helpless and didn't have any meaningful contribution. He lived in his own bubble, he says, and um, his, the importance of his participation is in his ability to keep the flames burning throughout the 18 days in January 2011. Uh, as a faculty member in Cairo University as well, he felt the diversity of the students and different sufferings and this feeling of bitterness even did not motivate him to join demonstrations on January 25. Uh, he even discouraged some of his younger relatives from participating. However, he recalls on January 27, driving through Cairo's Ring Road and passing through some slums, he recalls this pain, echoing pain, as if a cry of help from the people that he should do something to elevate their agony. It was an emotional moment and was associated with feeling of great responsiveness and responsibility towards the people and also towards Egypt itself. Out of all the narratives EBHRC collected, <coughs> Dr. Rahim Awa's narrative gave immense weight to February 4th, as it marked the day lower class people again the uh, masses of poor, uh, joining the square in increasing numbers and with great determination. For him, these victims of economic policies uh, went against the expectations of the regime and they did not get bored and tired and there was this reservoir of people that they constituted and they joined in masses starting February the 4th. Now a different perspective that the AUC security staff on the escalation of events because they specifically described January 28th and the burning of the first police vehicle and they were very compassionate with the Egyptian police force. Uh, General Mukhtar Regev, Assistant Security uh, Manager at AUC Downtown Campus. He actually uh, says uh, this narrative uh, about the withdrawal, explains the withdrawal of the police, that uh, the policemen must, their Tokyo walk is uh, needed charging, uh, so they started reversing the very big vehicles, but then uh, protesters stood in front of, behind the vehicle, and the driver could not see, and then in front of it, and then, uh, one of them actually jumped on the vehicle and uh, threw with a Molotov bottle. And uh, this started the police to uh, act on this, and as a reaction, uh, some were injured, of course, and it was only then that things started becoming violent. Another security uh, member, Ishaq Zikri, uh, also confirmed that some youths trapped a policeman in this vehicle and threw a Molotov bottle inside it, and there was no way that this policeman could have ever left the vehicle. Uh, a security staff, another one, Gamal Abdel Halim, talks about uh, the fear of some police officers. He mentions a story of a diabetic police officer who pleaded him to allow him to rest in the AOC campus and told him that he doesn't want to be a martyr and die, he just wants to live to raise his children. As we can see, the views of ASU staff gives a very different, unique perspective uh, to the events. Uh, but the driving force behind the evolution of events 
seem to be attributed to the participation of large segments of people from both middle upper class and those who are economically deprived. Uh, now to the final section, description of Tahrir Square itself and the interactions between people on the square and the division of labor. Uh, actually, this section is very, uh, it reminds me a bit of what Heba was saying about the joy because of the time frame of the, of the narratives. This section particularly talks about hope and joy and it's, uh, I think it's mainly related to the time frame that these interviews were taken. Uh, when it came to describing the interaction between people in Tahrir Square itself during the 18 days of the revolution, most of the narrators seem to agree on one sentiment, harmony. For our harmony between different classes, different cultural backgrounds, and different religions. Sarah Abdelrahman, an AFC graduating senior at the time of the interview, her most memorable moments were most insightful conversations with specifically Muslim brothers. Malak Rushdie, an AFC assistant professor in sociology, for her the square was born the moment people crossed the bridge on the 28th, as a newborn born space, the square shaped itself gradually and depending on the events. It evolved into divisions, partitions, the media center, the cultural corner, the stands, the stages, particularly after Wednesday, the second battle of the camera. The square itself became a self-sufficient unit whose livelihood had to be organized and the daily routine changed. People coexisted and cooperated in the square. Most of our interviews recall working in teams and distributing responsibility. The square to them represented democracy, equality, and social justice. Tens of teams formulated for various tasks, such as securing the entry and exit to the square, such as managing the garbage, such, such as uh, electric poles being uh, developed to uh, charge phones and other electrical, electrical appliances. Uh, other people, like Malak Roshi, again, uh, was concerned about sustaining the influx of people to the square in the recognition of the importance of keeping the square occupied to exert pressure to avoid violence and keep up the morale of the people in the square. Rushdie recalls also had anxiety on February the 2nd, the Battle of the Camel, where she received calls from stranded people in the square that they needed, uh, they felt endangered and they needed and outside foreign help or diplomats to that to exert pressure on the army to allow people to have a safe exit and entry to the square as well. Uh, again, Ibrahim Awa's contribution is of particular interest uh, as a member of the committee of the wise because he actually talks about January the 4th where one of the things that the committee of the wise originally whose main mandate was basically to maintain a dialogue or negotiations between the regime and the representatives of the youth. They also had that they fear about the people on the square, so they, a lot of them actually went to the square hand in hand in order to, because they felt their presence will protect the protesters. Uh, throughout the narratives reviewed for this research and talks with people since January 2011 who has been to Tahrir Square, all attest to the harmony and sense of equality, cooperation, and coexistence that visitors and inhabitants of Tahrir Square felt towards each other. This sense of unity is the shared view amongst all the narratives. Uh, the conclusion now. The above section of the paper, sections of the paper 
were mainly a review of some of our directors' responses to questions about their opinions, about factors leading up to their proportion, what motivated them to contribute, the degree and method of their involvement, and the description of the experience in and relation to and thoughts about the dynamics of being in Tahrir Square during the 18th days, aiming to provide some insight on their identity. Embarking on this research, I originally planned the critical examination and analysis of some of the extracts of the samples of narratives collected at EBHRC. An integral part of this process rotated around selecting the narratives and selecting the parts. Uh, it's still a work in progress, so uh, I hope that I'm hoping that some of our narratives' comments can be illuminating if further investigated about the identity of the January 25 revolution is. Preliminary results do indicate that the narrators themselves can be or have come across uh, all different people from all facets and layers of the Egyptian society in terms of class, in terms of education and background, in terms of polit different political and religious ideologies. Uh, they differ in the level of involvement and in their contribution, but they all united under sentiments of cooperation and harmony, and one was the fall of the regime. As it stands, the narrative extracts and results are means to provide food for thought for future research. The value and use of this collection is multifaceted, and uh, with all, uh, as with all oral history projects, its use and real value stems from the end users of the project. Uh, the University on the Square project is still is an university-wide project, so this is one aspect of the whole project. We, so far, we haven't done any work from May until now on this, but it's still ongoing with new voices and cont uh, uh, contributing to the project with new interviewees on one side of the microphone and other faculty, staff, students, and volunteers on the other. The value of the University on the Square project is yet to unfold. Thank you very much.